welcome to worship night if you're at home and watching us um you know welcome um for those of you who are here hey let's just press on i am so excited about what god's gonna do amongst us i know that you've been hungry you've been waiting for something to happen and you know what he's gonna do something great tonight amen and so if you just join our hearts together and just like god we just want more of you tonight at home or even here come on let's just sing it out thank you jesus father we thank you so much for the privilege to just come together and worship you and 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 lift up your name lord we are hungry for you we want you we are desperate for you father this is our prayer this is our cry tonight would you just show up tonight come on sing this your love my heart and taken me over taken me over all I want and all I want is to be with you forever with you forever your love your love has ravished my heart
you father because you are worthy you are worthy Lord wow awesome awesome God thank you Jesus he's your amen church (laughs) you know this is something, this, this worship night, is, it, it, it was birthed out of just like a simple desire to just want to worship God. Actually, a few weeks ago when we had like the little full band, you know, thing that's going on up here. And you guys are at home, but some of us that were here, actually all of us that were here, we're just so on fire. I'm like, God, I want this. And from then, it's like, hey, how about you just do it among the music team, you know, the worship team. Let's just do that. But then Nicole was like, well, it's also, you know, Thursday, prayer meeting. Let's just do that. And so it just grew into something that's like more. Because I think for the longest time, we've just been waiting, right, to just come together and worship God. And I know that it's not about just full band or not, you know. Like, church is church. Like, two people three people gather that's that's you know he's there but what i'm saying is i think tonight god is just challenging challenging us to just come you know just come just come and this next song even even after the planning for the like the worship night there's a little hurdle here and there we almost canceled it you might not know this but we had a meeting literally i think three days before or like less than a week we're like gosh should we do this like there's so much like doubt and fear for some reason we just so afraid to move but we decided to just kind of go for it and then this next song and this is why (laughs) too i was like god you know we're called to like be this people who's like not afraid because you're there and you're 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 the god of it all and we shouldn't be afraid right but like there's a little doubt in your mind somehow what if like there's always this what if then we come to this next song called Not Afraid. And as we were practicing, because I was like pra- praying and like, God, okay, there's wisdom and there's also fear. Like I need to be able to distinguish the two, right? This song, Not Afraid, it says, I have this confidence because I've seen the faithfulness of God. The still inside the storm, the promise of the shore, I trust the power of your word enough to seek your kingdom first. And then, we're gonna sing this song but boy oh boy when we were practicing this i was just like you know what we're gonna do it we're just gonna press on and we're not gonna be afraid so whatever situation that you're at right now whatever it is that you're afraid of and you just it, 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 you know fear fear makes you just can't move you just stay in one place but i pray that this song can be an encouragement to you 
like if you're afraid to move, whatever it is, career, job, family, whatever it is that God is calling you to do to move and you're just afraid, you know, let this song be an encouragement and, and let's sing this together. Come on, I think it's going to build you. Yes. This confidence because oh, oh, I've seen the faithfulness of God. The still inside the storm, the promise of the shore. I trust. Come on. I trust the power of the word. Oh, enough to seek, enough to seek your kingdom first. Beyond the barren place, beyond the ocean waves. When I walk, when I walk through the waters, I won't be overcome. When I go through the rivers, I will not be drowned. My God will make a way, so I am not afraid. You keep the promises you make. There isn't one. There isn't one that is delayed. So I will not lose heart. Here I will live my life. And start to sing you to the night. My praise will call the sun to rise. Declare the battle is won. Declare that it is done. When I walk through the waters, I won't be overcome. When I walk through the rivers, I will not be drowned. My God will make a way, so I am not afraid. Declaring victories, my God will make a way, so I am not afraid. Before me, behind me, always beside me, no shadow, no valleys, where you won't find me, no higher. Come on, declare it. Come before me. Before me. Behind me, always beside me, no shadow, no valleys, where you won't find me, no, I am not afraid. I'm not afraid, no, I am not afraid. When I walk, when I walk through the water, I won't be over. Go to the rivers, I will not be drowned. My God will make a way, so I'm not afraid. I stand before the giant, declaring victory. I stand before the giant, declaring victories. My God will make a way, so I'm not afraid.
praise. Yes, Lord, come on. Come on. Come on. You're awesome, God. Happy Sunday everyone! Welcome to IFGF Seattle Sunday service. I hope that you have a blessed day in the midst of this snowstorm. Today we are very honored to have a dear friend in our ministry, Pastor Dylan Jones from Manor House, Portland to be sharing the Word of God. I hope you'll be blessed by this message. Stay tuned. Hey IFGF, super excited to be coming to you and being with you digitally uh, this Valentine's Day, February 14th. Pastor Irwin, you are legendary. Absolutely love um, your guys' church and uh, honoured to be sharing with you this morning uh, on this Sunday morning. And so if it's okay with you, I just want to jump right into it. You know I love the Word and, and I want to uh, preach a message um, and, and kind of address this premise that you know, on a day like Valentine's Day, I think it uh, even perpetuates this notion even more that the culture that we live in uh, pushes this notion that life is all about the moment. I mean, think about Valentine's Day. It's, it's the day you're supposed to get swept off your feet. Life is all about the moment. When I've achieved this, man, then I can be satisfied. Life is all about the moment. When you've got this many followers, when I get married, when I achieve that my first home, when I've started that business, when I've accomplished this, when I've, I've seen that, when I've traveled over here, when I experience that moment, then I'll be satisfied. And I, I wanna propose this thought to you this morning that life is not about the moment, but life is actually about, life is found, meaning is found in the mundane. I think so oftentimes in church, you've probably heard this before. Hey, we gotta, we gotta reach the world. Anybody else get overwhelmed by that? Anybody else reaching the world is, is an overwhelming task. And, and, and I think what helps me is maybe the better way to think about it is, is yes, we're supposed to reach the world, but maybe we do that by reaching your world. How we reach the world is we reach it by reaching my world, the people in it. And so this morning, I wanna look at a character in the Bible that actually encourages me because um, this character is named Philip. And in Acts 26, we find out that his name is Philip the Evangelist. I mean, you gotta be honest, that's spiritual. I mean, he's a big deal now. He's got a title attached to his name. He's Philip the Evangelist. But I don't wanna look at Philip the Evangelist. I wanna look at how Philip became the Evangelist. I wanna propose this thought that Philip didn't wait for a moment, that he found meaning in the mundane things. In fact, if you have your Bibles, would you open up with me this morning to Acts chapter six, verse two. I'll read it and you follow along and we're gonna dive in. Come on, here we go. And the 12 summoned the full number of the disciples and said, it's not right that we should give up preaching the Word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the Spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer, to the ministry of the Word. What they said pleased the whole gathering and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith. Notice, Philip's not even picked first. 
I mean, he's number two in line. Stephen, full of faith, the Holy Spirit, Philip, nothing attached to Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon and Pumbaa, I'm just playing, Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch. And these they set before the apostles, they prayed, laid hands on them and the Word of God continued to increase and the number of disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. I think so oftentimes we live in a culture that says our life is defined by the moment when we've arrived, when we've taken the shot, when, when, we, when we've achieved that business, when we've found that house. But when I look at the life of Philip, I think it reinforces this idea. Life has its moments, but life is actually found in the mundane. In fact, I found meaning in the mundane that, that life is not about just the highlights. Man, every day can be a highlight. And so if you're taking down notes, just three big ideas that we're gonna look through this morning is we're supposed to find meaning in discipline. But we're supposed to find meaning in the small things. We need to find meaning in the discomfort and we find meaning in the dry place. If you're taking down notes, this would be just the title of this message is meaning in the mundane. Oh, the most exciting Sunday message you've ever heard in your entire life. Bow your heads, close your eyes, let's pray. Let's believe that Jesus is gonna speak to us this morning. Father, I just thank you for your word. I thank you that it's living and active. God, I pray even as I'm sharing and speaking, God, I pray for every heart hearing this. Would you speak? Would you move? Would you encourage? Would you strengthen? God, would you help us to recognize that every day surrendered to you, God has potential to be so meaningful, so purposeful. God, I thank you for IFGF. What a great church that you're building up in Seattle. Thank you for Pastor Irwin, the team. God, just bless them in this season in your mighty name. Amen. What I love about Philip and what we see highlighted in Acts is that the only thing that we know about Philip is that it says this. It says these disciples picked men of good repute, that he had a good reputation. The only thing that I see about Philip, the only thing that I see attributed to Philip is that he had a good reputation. That word reputation, this is what it means. It refers to giving accurate information about a person, that, that somebody's reputation is simply this. It gives accurate information about a person. It, it, it's communicating something. It's not spoken, but something's being communicated. When, when, when I got married um, to Kirsten, there were some things that I had to help her understand. And one of them was guys don't have the same abilities that girls do. I know that's shocking to you, but it was something that I had to tell Kirsten, like we can't do certain things. I remember when I was in school and I, I saw this phenomenon that women have this magical ability. I remember I would be in school and I'd be sitting doing work and the teacher said, it's quiet time. We've got to do our work. And I'm doing my work and I look up and all of a sudden I see a girl and she, she's, she's winking her eyes. I'm looking at her, that, that seems a bit strange. And then she starts shaking her head and eyebrows are going up and down and nodding. And as a caring individual, my first response is, hey, are you okay? And just before I'm about to reach out and make sure that she's not having a seizure or anything, I notice that there's another girl doing the exact same thing. Her eyebrows are moving and she's tweaking and she's you know, nodding her head back and forth. And then as I'm watching both of these individuals do this, I realize something. I realize that these girls, they're, they're actually communicating with each other. They are having a full-blown conversation without any words. This is the first time I've experienced this phenomenon. I remember sitting in class thinking to myself, I have no idea how they do that. And when I got married, I had to communicate to my wife. I do not have this ability. I remember we'd be married we were early on in our marriage and, and, and we'd be standing around with some friends and I'm telling this story that was really funny. Kisty did something that was embarrassing and uh, why, would not, why wouldn't we want to share that embarrassing story with the world? It's funny, it's a funny story. We should share it, it's funny. Everybody's gonna be laughing. And I remember telling this story and, and I'm getting into it, telling everybody Kisty did this and, and it's so funny. And, and I remember looking over at Kisty and she's just looking at me intensely and her eyes are really big and, and I'm thinking to myself, Man, I've captivated my wife. I'm, I'm such a great storyteller. She, I have her undivided attention. She must obviously be encouraging me to continue to tell this embarrassing story about her. <laughs> and so I'm telling this story and she's looking at me more intensely. I've captivated my wife's attention. 
It was probably Valentine's Day. And, and I tell this story and everybody's laughing and I'm thinking to myself, what a great time. What a great time with friends. And we get in the car and then it is clearly communicated to me. That she did not really appreciate the story <laughs> that I told about it. We'd be sitting around at the dinner table with, with some of our friends and, you know, used to being a, a youth pastor, part of my job description was to be appropriately inappropriate. There's a line, you need to know where the line is, but you get a little bit close to the line, appropriately inappropriate, youth pastor. And uh, I remember I'd be telling this story and my wife uh, is there and, and I'm gonna tell this story. It's a little bit inappropriate, but it's funny. And so I start telling this story and all of a sudden as I tell this story, I begin to feel a pain in my leg. And I'm thinking to myself, well, that's strange. My leg should be feeling painful. And I realize my wife's kicking me under the table and I think to myself, Dylan, this is such a great story. My wife, Kirsty, she can't control her limbs. She's flailing in laughter. This is, this is so funny. And so I keep going and that pain doesn't stop. And I realize that my wife is kicking me and I turn to Kirsten in front of everybody. I'm like, Kirsten, do you realize you're kicking at me? kicking me and she looks with her big old eyes and now they're upset at me and she's trying to communicate something and afterwards I realise she's trying to tell me to stop telling that story. She's trying to communicate something without saying something. She's trying to communicate a message without actually using words and this is what reputation means, that your reputation communicates something without actually verbalising it. You see young person, old person, IFGF, you have to understand something. Your reputation contains information. It will confirm or contradict the message that you're trying to communicate. It says that Philip had a good reputation. He was disciplined in the little things. He was faithful in the small things. He was somebody that was consistent inside and out. And his reputation confirmed the message that he was trying to communicate because as a church, we gotta be honest. We have to get better at making sure that our reputation confirms the message we're trying to communicate because so oftentimes our reputation contradicts the message that we're trying to communicate. And I'm gonna be real honest. We wanna invite people to church, but you have to understand, is your reputation contradicting the message you're trying to communicate? Hey, you need to come to my community. Let's not use church because that's you know a buzzword in the Northwest. Let's say community. Hey, would you wanna come to my community? We love people, we care about people. And the problem is, is that it's the right message. People should come to our church. People should go to IFGF. They should be invited to church. But what happens when your reputation is you're not a caring individual. When people get around you, you've got a reputation where you gossip and you backbite, you pull people down behind your back and you're inviting somebody to your community, but you've got a reputation that actually pulls people down. Why would I wanna go to a community that accept, you tell me that I'm accepted and that I'm loved, but your reputation contradicts that. I don't wanna be vulnerable. I don't wanna be honest. I I don't know what you're gonna say about me behind your back. Your reputation is contradicting the message you're trying to communicate. Hey, let me tell you about Jesus. Jesus loves you and Jesus does love you. And we need to tell people that Jesus loves them. But the problem is Jesus loves you, but your actions communicate that you don't. You're a mean individual. You have a bad attitude. You're angry when people encounter you. And we wanna tell people that Jesus loves them, but their reaction is, hey, I need to tell you about Jesus. He loves me. Yeah, but you don't. You're mean. Your reputation is contradicting the message. Okay, it's Valentine's Day, so I gotta go there. Hey, I'm in a relationship and the person I'm in a relationship doesn't love Jesus, but I don't wanna break up with them because I don't wanna give Jesus a bad reputation. Friend, you're giving Jesus a bad reputation. Well, I don't wanna break up with them because I'm the only Christian they have. Friend, you're not being a very good one. You're not communicating Jesus cares about them. Jesus cares about them more than you do. And maybe the best thing that you should do is break up with them so that you can actually allow your character to be refined and reformed so that when you encounter people around you, people see Jesus in you. When I look at the life of Philip, you have to understand Philip found meaning in the discipline. He found meaning in the small things. He had a good reputation. He was just being obedient in the little things. He was waiting on tables and it wasn't even that spiritual. It wasn't even an evangelistic event. It was, it was after church on Sunday. He's waiting on tables, being faithful in the little things. This is what consistency, meaning in the disciplines. He's, he's being disciplined in how he communicates truth. He's, he's being faithful inside and out. He's the same person on Sunday as he is Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. Philip found meaning in the discipline. In fact, there's an old passage scripture. Um, Samuel the prophet comes to Saul and he says to Saul, he says, Saul, 
Saul had been disobedient and now was trying to repair that action by sacrificing animals and, 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 and trying to fix the issue. And Samuel goes to Saul and he says, Saul, you have to understand that obedience is better than sacrifice. O obedience is better than sacrifice. Why is that statement true? Why is obedience better than sacrifice? Here's why obedience is better than sacrifice. Obedience is better than sacrifice because obedience is your sacrifice. Obedience is better than sacrifice because obedience is your sacrifice. You see, there's a sacrifice that covers my sin, but there's obedience that cuts it out. John the Baptist said, I must decrease so he can increase. You see, Philip found meaning in the discipline. He found meaning in the small things because he understood something, that the kingdom of God is being extended, not just externally, but the kingdom of God has to be extended first internally. God's kingdom, God's kingdom is not somewhere over in Nebraska. Nothing's in Nebraska, let's be honest. That's funny. God's not trying to build His kingdom over in Alaska or it's not geography. God's kingdom is not geographical. God's kingdom is where He rules and reigns, where the King rules and reigns in the hearts and minds of His people. And so I find meaning in the discipline I find meaning being faithful in the little things. I find meaning serving. In fact, if I'm at EIFGF and I don't, have an, I don't have anything to do right now, I'm saying, how do I be like Philip? How do I find meaning in the discipline? Pastor Irwin, how can I serve? Do you need help on the greeting team? Do you need me to lead a group? Do you need me to help with that outreach ministry? I'm just gonna, I'm gonna, just gonna put my hand to something. I'm gonna be faithful in the little things because I recognise my obedience is I'm becoming less, He's becoming more. The Kingdom of God is being extended in me and there is no such thing is too small a thing in your kingdom because God, your kingdom is advancing in me. Philip found meaning in the discipline. And you know what is amazing is, I don't know if you caught it, but, but did you read the types of people that Philip began to reach? This is what it says. It says, a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. Philip found meaning in the discipline, the small things. He was faithful in the little things. He was the same person inside and out. And this is the type of people that Philip reached. He reached the priest. When you find meaning in the disciplines, find meaning in being faithful in the little things, you and I, we reach religious people because religious people, they've been around church, but when they look at their, your life, they, they see the church. Religious people have heard that God loves them, but when they encounter you, they experience the love of God. Religious people, they've seen hypocrisy, but when they look at your life, they see legitimacy, friends. There's meaning in the discipline. There's meaning in the small things. Philip the evangelist, he was just Philip the intern. And religious people were getting saved because he was just faithful in the little things. He found meaning in the disciplines. But when you read the life of Philip, you realise it continues. Uh, Philip, he's serving. People are getting saved. The church is growing. Praise God. And then uh, we, we read further on the story. Um, Saul has not become Paul yet. Saul is murdering Christians and he's on his way and he pulls Stephen. Remember the guy that was chosen in front of Philip? He pulls Stephen out and Stephen is stoned to death. Philip's best friend, the guy that he's serving, his group assistant, his team leader for the greeting team gets stoned to death because of his faith. And Philip experiences something painful and we'll read what happens. Philip experiences pain. And in Acts chapter eight, verse four through seven, this is what it says. Stephen is stoned. And now those who were scattered went about preaching the word. Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed to them the Christ. And the crowds with one accord paying attention to what was being said by Philip. When they heard him and saw the signs that he did for unclean spirits crying out with a loud voice came and many who had them and many were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was much joy in that city. You have to understand Philip had found meaning in the disciplines, but now he experienced something painful. He experienced discomfort. His best friend is murdered. And, and watch the pain that Philip experienced pushed him to people he would have never encountered otherwise. But because of something painful, Philip, who was just being faithful, was doing the right thing. And even when we do the right thing, sometimes we can experience pain. But maybe that pain is God pushing us to people we might never would have encouraged. Because when I'm looking and talking to you at IFGF, maybe there's some things that you've experienced that are painful. Maybe you've experienced a divorce in your family. 
Maybe you experienced divorce yourself. Maybe you're here and there's a physical ailment that you've been dealing with for years. You experienced pain. Maybe there's been a relationship break. Maybe you dealt with isolation and loneliness. I know what that is like. I remember when I first moved to the States, I remember coming here and I'm a fairly nice guy. I'm outgoing. I'm, I'm pretty friendly to everybody I met. But I remember coming to the States for the first time, not knowing anybody, not having any friends. And I remember for the first time in my life feeling what loneliness felt like not knowing who I could connect with, not knowing who I could talk to. And for six months, man, I remember being in my bedroom and just experiencing loneliness. It's debilitating. There's things that you've gone through that are painful. There's things that you've gone through or going through that have discomfort, but maybe, just maybe, God could even use the painful things in your life because He's gonna use the painful things to push you to people that you would have never encountered. See, Philip would found meaning in the disciplines. He was happy to just serve in church, but because of something painful that he didn't even deserve, it pushed him. But notice the types of people that it pushed Philip to. It says this, it says that Philip was preaching and encountering people with unclean spirits. They were crying out loud with a voice that came out and many who had them, and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was much joy in that city. There's an expression that says this. It says, hurt people hurt people. But, but what if it's hurt people that have been made whole? They're the ones that heal people. You see, Philip experienced hurt, pain, discomfort. Yet that pain, he allowed that pain to push him to people he probably would have never encountered otherwise. You know, like myself, maybe you've experienced loneliness. You know what's something that I notice? I notice when somebody's lonely. When I walk into a room, I notice somebody who's sitting by themselves. Because I felt what they felt, it propels me to people who've been in the same situation as me. Maybe there's somebody who's going through divorce or a family member is experiencing something painful. Maybe the pain that you've experienced actually is an ability for you to connect and bring healing to somebody who else is in pain. Maybe there's a purpose to your pain. Maybe there's meaning to the discomfort that you've been going through. You see, Philip, Philip, was propelled and pushed and he encountered people that were in pain, unclean spirits, people that were oppressed, people that were paralyzed. They couldn't walk, they couldn't move, they were stuck. Philip brought healing to them and maybe the things that have gone painful in your life, maybe God wants to use that to push to people that are stuck, hurt in painful situations, bitterness, and you're the person that God is wanting them to encounter. I know what you're going through. I know you're hurting. There's a physical ailment you're dealing with. I deal with this pain every single day of my life, yet God is still using my life and He can use yours. You've gone through a divorce, guess what? I know what that's like, but God still has a plan for your life. I've seen God heal my body. And so I have faith that God can heal your body. I know you experienced bitterness and there was a relationship break and somebody hurt you and you didn't deserve it. I know what that's like. And I recognise what bitterness is doing to you. But let me tell you, not only can you forgive that person and God can forgive that person, but God is gonna use that to bring healing to those around you. IFGF, can we find meaning in the discomfort? Philip allowed the discomfort to push him to a place he would have never gone through. And maybe just maybe the painful things, the things that you're experiencing that you don't want to, the discomfort, maybe God could actually bring meaning out of it. Maybe God is actually gonna use that to push you to connect with people you would have never encountered otherwise. Philip found meaning in the discipline, the, the little things, the small things, that season. So oftentimes we think we're supposed to skip over that season, but maybe that's a season that God wants to actually bring you through. Recognize there's no such thing as a small thing in the kingdom of God. There's meaning in the discipline. There's meaning in the discomfort. Philip experiences his friend get killed and that, that's painful. But out of that pain, he's pushed and people experienced healing because of what God allowed Philip to walk through. Maybe the season of pain that you're in is not a season to skip over, to get to your moment. Maybe that's a season that God's trying to send you through to bring healing to those around you. But lastly, but lastly, God leads them to the dry place. And this is crazy to me. I gotta I got be honest. When you read this, it, it, it at first doesn't make sense to me. Notice what it says. You, you have to understand, Philip serving tables, religious people getting saved, church is growing, God, you're good. Stephen gets killed. I don't understand. The church is scattered. Philip goes to a city. People are getting healed. 
It's like old school revival. I mean, it's like tent meetings. God, you're moving. Praise God. God, you're doing some good things. And then notice what God does to Philip. This is mind blowing. In Acts chapter 8, verse 26, here is what it says. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, rise, go by yourself toward the south to the road that goes from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And he rose and went and there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of Ethiopians, who was charging all of her treasure. And he had come to Jerusalem to worship. Philip's experiencing revival. People are getting healed. And God says to Philip, hey, Phil, I want you to go to the desert road by yourself. Does that not make any sense to you? God, what you... I'm seeing some purpose to my pain. I'm, I'm helping people. My group is growing. People are encountering you, Jesus. No, I want you to go by yourself to the desert. But have you ever driven through the desert? Growing up in Australia, my family, we would do these road trips. It would take us nearly three days to drive across Australia. And if you know anything about Australia, most of Australia is desert. Like you, you would be on a road trip, you'd fall asleep and you'd wake up and you'd think you hadn't gone anywhere. In fact, there's a, there's a road in Australia called the Nullarbor Plain. In Aboriginal, that means the treeless plain. There's no trees. It's a straight, there's a, there's a section of road that's like 60 miles without a bend in it. It's, 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 it's the same scenery. When you're in the desert, it's the same scenery. It's repetition. It's like, there's a rock, there's a shrub. There's a rock, there's a shrub. There's no life there. It seems like there's no water there. This is the desert. It's the same scenery over and over again. It seems dry. It's it's mundane. And so oftentimes we think this is a place to skip over, but maybe the desert is actually where God is sending you to. You see, there's a desert place, there's a desert season that we can find meaning in. Let me put it like this. The desert is a place where we see the same scenery over and over again. Have you ever encountered this? Hey God, I'm waking up this morning and I got to brush my teeth the same way and I got to go to work the same way. I'm going to school every day. I'm doing my homework. I got to clock in, I got to clock out. I'm going to practice. And it seems like every day I'm just doing the same thing. Every day the scenery stays the same. Have you ever had moments in your life where you feel like, God, I'm not doing anything. Nothing spectacular is happening. Everything just seems like I'm going through the motions. Each day bleeds into the next day. Have you ever had moments where you're talking to God and you're thinking to yourself, God, it seems like there is nothing happening. Surely, God, you've got a better moment for me. God, I've been faithful in the small things. God, there's been some painful things that I've seen you through, but God, now I'm just, I'm going to work. I clock in at nine, I come home at five. I'm married, I gotta put my kids to bed at seven o'clock every night. And it seems like God, every day just bleeds into the next. Surely there's something better on the horizon, but maybe this is a season not to skip over. Maybe this is a season that God is sending you to. The, the routine days, the the weeks that seem to be a repetition to the week before, maybe this is not a season to skip over, but maybe this is a season where even God can bring meaning out of. You see, notice that it was in the desert season, Philip who saw religious people get saved, hurt and broken people were getting saved, but it was in the desert place where Philip had the ability to come alongside an Ethiopian who, by the way, was the first Gentile convert, somebody who was far from God, it was in the desert place that Philip had the ability not to talk to, not to preach at, but he had the bandwidth, he had the ability now to come alongside the Ethiopian. You see, IFGF, the desert place, the routine place, the times where it seems like every day just seems to be the same. Maybe this is a season where God is giving you the opportunity not to preach at a person, but maybe it's an opportunity to come alongside somebody where you begin to explain who God is in the day in and the day out. There's a coworker who might not come to church, who might not wanna be invited to that, might not be in a painful place. Their life might be going well, but you have the opportunity to come alongside of them. And as as you journey with them and as they look at your life, as they begin to see how you act, all of a sudden there's something about you that draws some curiosity out you. Maybe you're in school and every day you're going to class, but it's in that season you begin to recognise there's somebody that you could sit next to every day and that journey is gonna help them encounter you. You see there's meaning in the desert place. Philip, it was in the dry and the routine in the desert that it had the ability to come alongside the one. Maybe, just maybe, your desert, your routine, God's giving you the unique ability 
ability to come alongside that family member, that coworker, the person that you've minimised, the person that you're sitting in the seat with. And even in that moment, you now have bandwidth to come alongside somebody and they don't need a message and they're not in pain that needs healing. They just need somebody to sit next to them and begin to hear their story and hear what they're going through. And Philip saw religious people saved because of the meaning and the discipline. He found meaning and discomfort and found hurt people were getting healed. But Philip, in the dry place, he had the ability now to come alongside the one and journey with that individual. He found meaning even in the dry place. You know, when we read the story about Philip, Philip wasn't this extraordinary individual. I think so oftentimes when we read the Bible, we think of these people being super spiritual, Philip the evangelist. He must've been the guy that stands up on the table and lets everybody know about Jesus. No, Philip had just found meaning in the discipline. Hey, how can I serve the church? I can show up early. I can stay late. I can jump on the AV team. I can lead a group. He found meaning in the discomfort. Yeah, I've been through something painful, but I'm not gonna allow that to make me better. I'm gonna allow that God to make me better and make people around me better. He found meaning in the dry place. Yeah, today seems like a every other day, but guess what, God, because you're in my day, maybe today is a day of opportunity for somebody that I can journey with. And it says this about Philip, and I've always, it's been such an interesting passage to me. Maybe you remember this about Philip, but it says in chapter eight that Philip baptizes this Ethiopian, somebody a long way from God gets saved. And it says that Philip was carried away by the Holy Spirit. And I've thought about that passage you know, I think so oftentimes we're waiting for God to carry us to a moment. I think so oftentimes we're waiting for God to carry me to the right opportunity. God, would you carry me to that person? Would you carry me to that platform? Would you carry to me that opportunity? Culture says, carry me to the moment. Life is found in the moment. Meaning is found when you've made it. But the Holy Spirit didn't carry Philip to a moment. No, He carried him from obedience. When Philip was just walking, he'd found meaning in the discipline. He'd found meaning in the discomfort. He found meaning in the dry place. Philip realised life was not about the moments. Life was made in the mundane, in the everyday waking moments of his life. And the Holy Spirit carried carried him not to the moment, but he carried him from obedience. When you begin to walk with Jesus every day, as you begin to wake up in your eating and your sleeping and your coming and your going, you recognise God, there is meaning in every moment. I'm not waiting for a moment. In fact, in Romans, this is what the message translation says as we wrap up. It says this, so here's what I want you to do. God helping you take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, your eating, going to work, walking around life, place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for Him. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognise what He wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you and develops well-formed maturity in you. What happens at IFGF is this Sunday, I know Valentine's Day is supposed to be a moment day. What happens if this Sunday we made a decision to say, God, I'm gonna find meaning in every moment. God, I'm not gonna wait for a moment, but God, life, life is found in the mundane, the routine, the obedience, in the discomfort, in the dry place. Even in those seasons, these aren't seasons for me to get through. God, maybe these are seasons you're sending me to. And when I recognise, God, there's meaning in the mundane, all of a sudden I recognise every day of my life has meaning. IFGF, my prayer is that we're going to reach the world, but it happens when we reach our world. Let me pray for you. Jesus, I just thank you for what an amazing church. I thank you for Pastor Irwin and the team. God, I pray that even as I've shared, I pray that you would point out areas. God, I need to be obedient and faithful in these little things. I've kind of let some things slide. I'm gonna find meaning in just being faithful, serving day in and day out. God, I pray as they do that, I pray that people that are religious would encounter Jesus followers that are passionate about you. God, I pray for those that might be even in the service today hurting, experiencing something painful. God, I pray that you'd bring healing into their world so that they could bring healing to those around them. God, I pray for those that feel like, God, maybe I've missed it. 
God, it seems like every day just kind of bleeds into the next. Surely there's more to this. God, I pray that they would look around in the desert and dry place and say, God, who's one person that I could maybe just journey with? God, I pray that you would put your hand on this such amazing church. I pray that people would be reached, people would be saved. Our relationship with you, Jesus, would not be a Sunday thing, but an everyday thing. God, bless them today in your mighty name. Amen. Hey, I hope you have a great Sunday. Pastor Erwin, I'm turning it over to you. Thank you so much, Pastor Dylan Jones, for the powerful message. I hope all of you are blessed. Have a wonderful Sunday. Stay warm and be safe out there. God bless you. Thank you.